Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from the law firm Fenwick. For more than four decades, Fenwick has helped innovative companies become market leaders. Online at Fenwick.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in Northern California wine country, where state fire officials are investigating several private firefighters for allegedly setting illegal backfires to protect some structures threatened by the glass fire. Private firefighters are allowed to do fire prevention work under certain circumstances, but CAL FIRE spokesperson Scott McLean says they are not authorized to use fire as a tool. These folks will come in make sure they take everything away from the home that could promote fire into the home. They are not to stay there and fight fire or protect the home. Cal Fire received reports of the incident over the weekend and will not disclose more details until after an investigation. In Los Angeles, the candidates to lead the largest prosecutor's office in the country squared off last night in a virtual debate. Los Angeles County District Attorney Jackie Lacey is running for her third term against George Gascon, the former San Francisco DA, who's campaigning as a progressive challenger. The candidate sparred over the direction of criminal justice reforms. He is not a courtroom lawyer. We are not hiring someone that was a trial lawyer back in the 80s and 90s and continues to want to do business as if we did in the 80s and 90s. As for the death penalty, Lacey pursues it in rare cases. Gascon says he will not. Gascon co-wrote Proposition 47, a ballot measure that reduced some nonviolent felonies to misdemeanors. Lacey blames it for a significant rise in property crime, though the data is mixed. And Lacey defended her use of gang sentencing enhancements, though LAPD officers have been caught adding false and inaccurate information to the Cal gang database about people that they arrest. Gascon says he no longer supports gang enhancements. The difference between Ms. Lacey and I is that I continue to learn and evolve. Lacey accuses her opponent of sacrificing public safety in pursuit of support from activists. Here's the deal. He wants to leave residents helpless. 
The race has become one of the most closely watched local elections in the country because it's the latest effort by criminal justice reform advocates to get progressive prosecutors elected in big cities. The event was co-moderated by reporters at KPCC and the LA Times. Well, California Secretary of State Alex Padilla is charged with overseeing the state's elections, but he's also a Democrat who has to face his own election every four years. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer says some election experts think the job needs a fundamental overhaul. Elections are supposed to be run in an impartial, nonpartisan manner. But some wonder whether Secretary of State Alex Padilla's political activities compromise his independence. We want a Secretary of State in a way to be more like a judge, to make decisions based on the law and the facts, to make decisions a little bit removed from political pressure. That's Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson. She once chaired the Los Angeles Ethics Commission and says it's important for election officials to be one step removed from politics whenever possible. So that we know if there is a tough election-related call that it's not made because of partisan affiliation. Padilla regularly endorses candidates for office, and this year he has campaign committees to raise money for three statewide propositions, including ones to end the ban on affirmative action and allow 17-year-olds to vote in primary elections. We asked the Secretary of State's office to comment for this story, but they declined. UC Irvine law professor Rick Hassan, one of the nation's leading election law experts, says the job should be above politics. It should be someone whose allegiance is first and foremost to the integrity of the election system. They certainly shouldn't be endorsing candidates or serving on their committees. Hassan would like to see the Secretary of State nominated by the governor. And have that person confirmed by a two-thirds vote of the Senate and the, and the Assembly. That way, you would have bipartisan buy-in on that person. Kim Alexander is the founder and president of the nonpartisan California Voter Foundation. She says elected secretaries of state have more independence than ones appointed by the governor. But she wonders if Padilla's engagement in partisan issues could lead people to question if he's conducting his job independently. And most of the secretaries of state that I've worked with have operated in, in a rather nonpartisan way. And that's changed under the current administration. If the Biden-Harris ticket wins in November, the senator's successor will be chosen by Governor Gavin Newsom, who Alex Padilla endorsed for governor early in the 2018 campaign. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
Turning to education, more than 100,000 California college students don't have the technology they need for online classes. That's according to a new estimate from the nonprofit EdTrust West. KQED's Vanessa Roncano has more. Community colleges and universities that serve the most low-income students and students of color had the biggest gaps in tech access. But the issue spanned the state. At San Francisco State University, student Alondra Esquivel-Garcia says her connection is so shoddy she's lost work and had trouble turning in assignments. My Zoom just crashes out of nowhere. It's just, okay, you're out of class. It happens every day. Sometimes I can't even open files that are super important. Study projections are based on spring survey data, and many colleges have distributed laptops and hotspots since then. But Abby Ridley-Kerr, who worked on the report, says this points to a fundamental problem, a need to collect better information. We're just not there yet with the data. So this really is, at its heart, a call to action for campus leaders and statewide policymakers and for the governor's office to start to measure and evaluate some of this information at the student level. And that would really help if the federal stimulus bill goes through and includes money for colleges to supply students with those laptops, hotspots, and modems they need to get online. For The California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. The California Report is turning 25 years old this year. Big birthday for us. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be digging into our archives to share with you some of the show's most impactful moments. Here's a clip. Welcome to the premiere edition of The California Report. I'm Maya Krejci. It's been amusing for me to watch white America realize what black America has known all along, that sometimes justice may or may, may not be done. I mean, with us, our history is that justice ain't done. On today's show, a conversation with four Californians about the O.J. Simpson case, an American event that revealed and maybe widened the gaps dividing the races in this country. Also, an interview with Ross Perot, Los Angeles healthcare still in crisis, and the anniversary of Operation Gatekeeper on our southern border. But first, these news headlines. Joining me now is the host of our weekly show, who has been with the California Report for 16 of the last 25 years, Sasha Coca. Hey, Sasha. Hi, Lily. So great to talk to you and so great to hear that time capsule back to the mid-90s. A real blast from the past. And it's actually really interesting because a lot of what's there, what we just heard, is still so relevant today. Except for Ross Perot. Yeah, right. Except for Ross Perot and the, and the, uh, the cheesy opening music. <laughs> but yeah, the questions around racial justice and immigration still so relevant. Well, I was going to lobby to bring that music back, but okay, maybe I won't do that. Take us back to 1995. What was the idea behind launching this show, The California Report at KQED, way back when? What was the vision? Well, the vision was to have a show that would be carried on NPR stations throughout California and to really bring a news service to the state that could help 
knit us together as a state. I mean, we're so geographically divided. We're so racially diverse. We're oftentimes politically divided. But what are the stories that we all need to hear and we all need to know about as Californians that make us better informed citizens? And we started as a Monday morning news service and the Friday afternoon magazine. Of course, we've carried on that magazine format and we've become a daily news service. So we've really come a long way over the last 25 years, uh, but I think we're more relevant than ever. And on this week's California Report magazine, Sasha, you're going to be looking at California's role as a trailblazer on the nation's political scene. That's right. I mean, there's so many ways that California has really laid the groundwork for the rest of the nation when it comes to social and political issues like immigration, LGBTQ rights, same-sex marriage. With this ring? With this ring. I the wed. And the legalization of marijuana. All right. Well, looking forward to this weekend's show and looking forward to December 8th. Got a big event to tell you about. That's right. Mark your calendars. Lily, Saul, and I, along with Scott Schaefer, the longtime host of the California Report, and some of our famous California Report alums who've gone on to NPR, will be joining us to celebrate our 25th anniversary on the evening of December 8th. It'll be a virtual event, so stay tuned for more. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you, Sasha. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, Lily. And that's the California Report for this Friday, October 2nd, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Holly J. McDeed. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Vinnie Tong is our director of news. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali, and a happy big birthday to my big brother, Amir, who would tell you to wear a mask today and every day. He's a doctor. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic. On the web at chcf.org. The James Irvine Foundation committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fettah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. 
That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 